When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. there welcome to the pittsburgh sewer power half hour on the behind the seal curtain uh podcast i'm chris pew i got paul yanchek and joe frost how you guys doing tonight feeling powerful here for the power half hour oh i'm feeling half hourish for the power half hour nice i'm feeling (laughs) one half hour and that is it (laughs) it's very strange i will not be feeling it anymore This is my only half hour I feel powerful at all. I mean, I'm like so defeated the rest of the week, but I just get this burst of energy. Nobody really wants to hear the Pittsburgh Steelers defeated half hour. Right. (laughs) It's got to be the power half hour, even even if we're making up half the time. All right. I'm feeling meh. The meh half hour. (laughs) Well, I've got to give a big disclaimer or editor's note or whatever you want to call it. We taper stuff on Wednesday nights, okay? So. At this point, we're a day away from the NFL draft. Uh, this sh- show usually comes out Saturday or early Sunday morning, later Saturday, early Sunday morning, and you know by then the Steelers will be gone for their draft. But tonight, we can't say anything because we just don't know. So what we're going to do, here's our schedule. We're just going to have a nice generic podcast. We're going to talk about some of our favorite Steelers over the years. Next week's show. Hopefully the draft will be done by then. It should be, right? By next Wednesday night. Oh, gosh. It's all on the clock. So Yes, yes. If they yeah. do, something has gone horribly, horribly wrong. Right. So, so next Wednesday, we'll do our draft review. That'll be our whole show where we kind of look at all the picks and see how the Steelers do. And we will name them all in order. We'll sing yes. a song yes. with yes. the draftees as the leader. Oh, wow. Wow, that'd be great. Um, and then check out through the weekend behind the silk curtain.com, all the podcasts. There's gonna be a ton of coverage. So if you're like, oh my goodness, what would I listen to if I can't listen to Sewer Power Half Hour and talk about the draft picks? Lots of other podcasts will do that for you on Behind the Steel Curtain. But guys, I thought tonight, since we have to talk about something in general, I guess, let's talk about our favorite Steelers of all time. Um Remind me, Paul, when did you first start watching the Steelers? I think it was a year or two before me, right? Uh, I, I always forget what year the Super Bowl. It was one of the Cowboy Steelers Super Bowls in the late 70s, 77, okay. 78, somewhere in there. And, Joe, you came became a Steelers fan? Last in, Thursday. 
you know, Lester Stanfield. Yeah, after we did that podcast, I'm like, you know what? There's something to this team that we keep talking about. Uh, no, I didn't get into the Steelers. I had a roommate after college who was a huge Steelers fan, and it was right about the time that the Browns left town. And okay. uh, I, I it's about no 93. No, no, it was later than that. Right? It was like 90. Five, maybe? Five, six, something like that. Something okay. Because like uh, they didn't come back until, was it 99 or 2000? Yeah, something 99. like that. That sounds right, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I, I I knew to not like the Pittsburgh Steelers because I had previously rooted for the Browns as they were the hometown team. And uh, suddenly you realize that, oh, watching, now the only team I have left to have any feelings for is the team that I hate, and that was the Steelers. And so I was watching them and realizing, oh, I like the way that they play better than the other team that I had rooted for. Uh, and so when I first came in was like the Slash era. Okay. Uh, which, you know, I'm happy to have moved on from, but that was about the time that, that I started becoming a, a Steelers fan. We're from Ohio. Uh, we're guys of faith. You know, Paul's a pastor. Uh, it's his full-time gig. Paul, Joe sort of like the prodigal son. He came back to become a Steelers fan. Just, you know. There's room at the table. I There's was, room at the table. I was eating pig slop. And I yes. said, you know what? It would be better to eat the hot dogs from Hinesfield right. than to uh, continue to be a Browns fan. Okay. And I was accepted by the following yes. week. We killed the uh, the fatted Heinz. <laughs> the fatted Heinz. Oh, the fatted brogy. All right. <laughs> the Bramante. So, <laughs> the fat Oh, boy. All right. Well, let's talk about favorite Steelers. Paul, I'll start with you. Um, favorite Steeler, I guess, in the time that you watch the Steelers. So anytime from that Super Bowl you watch against the Cowboys – to now, so but nobody from the 30s is what you're yes, saying. Yes, okay. yes. <laughs> Favorite era. Um, yeah, no. yeah, I I I know it sounds premature to crown this person my favorite stealer, but I am a huge TJ Watt guy. Um, okay. I, I love the way he plays, I love his intensity. Um, I know he's still got a long way to go. Um who knows if he stays a stealer the rest of his career, but um watch your I mouth. Just, Why are you saying things? I, no, wow. <laughs> Why would he you grow up a Steelers fan? You just prepare yourself for the worst and then you're pleasantly surprised when things go well. Um so yeah, I just yeah, uh just love that intensity. Uh I think he embodies Steeler football. And yeah, I I'd I'd give him that title as early as it feels. Wow. I, wow. I think it would be tough and be almost sacrilegious to say, well, I'm not a TJ guy, or he's got to prove himself <laughs> a little bit more. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's done some just beyond amazing things. Like, to me, he's not quite to my favorite. Like, if I have my Mount Rushmore favorite Steelers players, he's not quite there yet, but he's at the – He's at the what do you call it? At the side of the hill. He's ready to. We're we're, dr we're drawing up the sketch to put him on the. Yes, <laughs> yes. 
We're starting. We're starting to shape it out, and it's vaguely right. TJ shaped. So with that, I'll go to number two, who's definitely got to be on the Mount Rushmore: Jerome Bettis. Okay. We talk about embodying Steeler football. Just a big brute, mauling over Brian Urlacher and love the bus. Okay. Just the perspective of a of a running back who said, "My goal is going to be to knock some people over," but my but my the 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 benchmark in his head is I'm going to be the first guy to stand up. Yeah, now, I don't yeah. care how many people, I don't how how hard I've hit somebody, I will be the first one to stand up. That's I it, freaking I think brilliant. He had a spring in his butt because he just popped up, did that big leg kick, and yep. But that just tells you something, you know. That just tells you something about your mindset and what it does to the other team. That you're still the guy who pops up first. That's amazing. Steelers have had some fast running backs, like I think of Willie Parker or Rashard Mendehall wasn't as fast as Parker, but he was more of a faster than a bruising guy. Mm-hmm. But like you know, Paul said, my goodness, what better running back could the Steelers have than Jerome Bettis with the physical, you know, bruising nature of the team? I mean. You know, he's a perfect fit. Like, yeah, I, I couldn't imagine him anywhere else. I mean, even when you played for the Rams for the first couple of years, it was kind of weird to see that. And even though he didn't get go to Pittsburgh until he was traded there, it was just great to see him there. Just think, Kevin Green was a former Ram, and Jerome Bess was a, a former Ram. I think Green came over in free agency, if I remember right. And, you know, Bess was traded, but, man – Glad to see that Rams connection really worked out well for the Steelers because, you know, just some great players. Uh, Joe, which guys, I mean, you said you kind of came in the slash era, but which guys have uh, you've admired over the years, I guess? Well, I know that one of mine, my top guys, I think also yours, but uh, Troy Palomalu is such a rare athlete and individual that I think he's just my favorite player all time. I think he's a, the kind of player that made somebody who wasn't automatically a football fan, and that's me. I was a baseball fan much more when I was younger because um, I could actually play that. Uh, but to to the way watching him play football made me love the way that people could play football. It was just outrageous. <laughs> the, the the instincts that he had on the field, the way that he went about everything he did with the hair, it just looked like his hair was on fire. The way his body worked when he ran, it was like squatted down a little bit in a way, but he still had this massive speed and power through the lower part of his body. Yeah, And you just don't see that that body type and the, that running type anymore uh, mixed with the, the instincts that he had on the field and the crazy stuff that he would try to do and would work. <laughs> you see other people try to do it and it doesn't work. You get burned really bad doing the kind of things that he would do, uh, anticipating the, the snap count anticipating jumping routes and whatever, like other people try to do it. And then they just get burned really, really bad and humiliated, but he kept doing it because it kept working. And so uh, uh, that he was just my favorite person to watch play. He came to the NFL at a time where I've always liked the NFL. 
I wasn't as into the NFL draft at that time. Where, yeah, I might have the TV on and say, oh, the Steelers picked this guy. But I wasn't breaking it down. Like, we've broken down this NFL draft upcoming where whoever gets drafted, you know, we'll be like, oh, I know this about him or not. Back when Troy was drafted, I didn't really follow the NFL draft like I do right now. And it was I don't think anybody because... followed it like we do now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which says a lot about ourselves right only now, to be pro- honest with you. Only professionals followed it the way that right. we follow it now. But it was funny because Troy's rookie year, if I remember right, they were playing Green Bay, and far from the ball, one another sewer sacked him. And I remember I was, like, watching the game. I think I was looking at my phone or something. And I hear, oh, Sears get the ball. I look up, and there's this guy with wavy hair coming out of his back running along the end zone. I'm like, who the heck is this guy? Like, I knew, knew nothing about Troy and everything. And ever since then, I'm just like, man, this guy looks really cool. And, um, you know, Joe, like you said, just the Titans game where he jumped over the offensive line yes. before anybody moved. Or, well, the – they said hike, and like a split second later, he jumped before anybody else moved. I think he did the same thing against the Bengals, where he was in the backfield before anybody moved. Um, just some of the crazy, like the fingertip interception against the Chargers in the oh, playoffs. Oh, yeah. All yeah, of those. It was just yep. ridiculous stuff. And again, we're taping this before the draft, so who knows who the Sewers pick or anything. But that's what kind of made me like a Kyle Hamilton, uh, the safety out of Notre Dame, because he's got – some similar characteristics. I'm not saying he's going to be a Hall of Famer like Troy was, but it was great. Uh, who's the other guy you liked, Joe? Uh, okay, so I, I have a hard time choosing between two players. One of them, I think, objectively, you would see say is on the greatest all-time Steelers list. The other guy, I think it might be a little bit, you'd have more of an argument, but I love watching him play. So which one do you okay. want? I'll just pick one. This is the... All right, I'm going to give you the one that I think is still an all-time great and has some of the greatest plays in Steeler history, and that is James Harrison. Oh, yeah. I love watching that angry man play football. (laughs) I love it so hard. Uh, I just... Just crazy. (laughs) How absolutely grumpy one person could be and just maul people. I obvious. I personally believe the 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 single play I think is the greatest play in all of uh, Steelers history and possibly in Super Bowl history and possibly all of the NFL is his hundred yard uh, interception return for yeah. a touchdown. Yeah. I I just the way everything played out the moment the way that it made it all the way down the field. I, I could watch that play over and over and over and over and over again. And I love every second of it, the way that he, the way that he dropped instead of, instead of uh, rushing the way that he was supposed to, he just had this instinct and went with it. I think, uh, you know, a little bit of uh, Troy Palomalu magic dust came into uh, that moment where he just knew, I know what's going to happen and jumped that route and made it all the way down that, is one tired dude at the end of that play. Um, but just the, the intensity with which he played when you, you know, Paul, when you're talking about TJ Watt, uh, the, the greatest compliment I could say to TJ Watt is I see some of that anger that James yeah. Watt would play with, uh, James Harrison would play with the coming out of TJ Watt. And I just love it. Uh, I could watch that all day. 
Um, but I know that his, his the length of time that he was that you know elite player was not as long as other Steelers players of 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 your. But I loved watching him play. My other guy is going to be Heinz Ward. Yeah, for all of the reasons that we love the bus. <laughs> Uh, there is some, he is wired different and that big old grin, you knock him down and he gets up with that grin and it gets under your skin. And I love it. The fact the in the era when they wouldn't throw flags for blindside blocks and whatever else, the way that he would block with intensity, yeah. uh, away from the ball. We're not allowed to do that anymore. I grant you, but in the era where that was allowed, that kind of intensity on the details in every single play could being that slot receiver that goes across the middle. That's going to take that contact. He knew he was going to be that guy. He wasn't the guy who was doing all the downfield stuff, but he was going to get you those yards. I don't care what I have to do. He's one of the guys that I think like Matt Canada would love because he's going to get you those extra three yards. If you throw that past three yards behind. Yes. Yes. (laughs) But he's not playing on those Pittsburgh Steelers are, anymore. And that's he's not the guy we have show. right now. He's not the guy we have right now. So well, let's draft some guys that, that that are wide receivers like that. Those are the wide receivers I want. I'm not having happy memories now. You know, you brought Matt Canada. I'm yeah, just saying. That's my second favorite steer of all time, Matt Canada. What? The way he what? called plays. What? Oh, it was amazing. Oh, my gosh. I'm kidding. I, kidding. I like that you call the, you say it in past tense. Yes. <laughs> I like the way that he called plays way back then. But, unfortunately, he'll be back this year to call plays You mean, again. You mean okay. January? That's when he yeah. was calling plays. So. James Harrison, the two plays life from him. They lost, it was a loss to the Ravens on Sunday Night Football, but late in the game, he was going after Joe Flacco. He leapfrogged a Ravens uh, offensive lineman to get to Flacco, and I just rose up. I was like, it was so weird. I mean, I'm yeah, at yeah, a friend's oh house, and as soon as he's like, oh, it was almost like, you know, you're at church and somebody says something profound, and you're like, oh, I got right. You're up. like, amen. Yeah, yeah. Amen. I almost yelled, amen. Right. Yeah, the religious experience this yeah, the, the second the the right after that the other James Harrison moment that is my favorite thing all time is when he grabbed that Cleveland fan yeah. and body slammed him. I was gonna say, <laughs> oh my too. gosh, I could watch that gif over and over and over. Again. Yeah, <laughs> just loop that bad boy and just watch him slam that guy to the ground. Love it. Um, Troy, I, I agree with what Joe said, so I, I won't go back over the same stuff. Uh, he's probably. I got one A and one B. I'm not sure who was my all-time favorite, but Rob Woodson was a guy that I really was into. Um, he was fun. Um, sounds weird to bring this up, but I, I, w- I was from a all-white town, and it was great to see. I, I like somebody who came from a mixed nationality because we had no diversity in my high school growing up, and it was really cool to see that. It actually encouraged me because Woodson talked about kind of overcoming some being made fun of in high school and everything else like that. So I enjoyed that by him personally. I enjoyed the fact that he's a man of faith now. But you know, on the football field, my goodness. Um, I love the Steelers defense when they play hard and physical. But also when they have the splash plays, when you look at sacks, interceptions, returns for touchdowns. And Woodson was just amazing with that. 
I remember one um, blitz he had of War Moon when he almost knocked <laughs> War Moon's head off on a cornerback blitz. I was like, whoa, this is great. Um, my favorite game, if we could go that far, was the wild card game. I think it was 89 when the Steelers beat the Houston Oilers at the Astrodome. When Bubby Brister went head-to-head with Warren Moon and Bubby Brister won, the Steelers got the ball for the winning uh, field goal when Woodson had a hard hit on an Oilers um, running back. Ball pops loose. They fall on it. Uh, Gary Anderson, who if we could pick five favorite Steelers, I loved Gary Anderson, the kicker, a long time ago. He kicked a 50-yard field goal. They beat the Oilers. Bubby Brister beat Warren Moon. Say that ten times. It still sounds weird to say, but it, it was a fun game. I, I love me some Rob Woodson. Oh, and the other memory that really stuck in my mind, Steelers lost the Cowboys in the Super Bowl. Woodson, in the season-opening game, tore his ACL. Everyone else, you're out for the year, come back next year. Woodson actually played 15 to 20 plays in the Super Bowl because he wanted to be there. Like, he wasn't sure if he was ever going to make a Super Bowl. I know he won with the Ravens a few years later after that, but the fact he willed his body out there to do that, that just, oh, it was great. Uh, sadly, I was at Rob Woodson's restaurant. He had a restaurant in Pittsburgh for a while. He, I was there the day he got signed. I think he went to San Francisco first, you know, after he left Pittsburgh. And I remember asking the waiter that day, saying, hey, is Rod there? Thinking, yeah, you know, he's not going to this restaurant. You know, like, he just left. And I'm like, <laughs> what? And I'm just wondering about the restaurant to see if I, I could chase him down and convince him to resign with the Steelers. So <laughs> lots of great Rob Woodson memories. Hey, let's take a quick break. We'll have a speed round of un, unheralded Steelers that we like. Uh, this is the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers Power Half Hour on Behind the Steel Curtain. We'll be right back. Right, back here on the Pittsburgh Solar Power Half Hour. I'm Chris. Got Paul and Joe with me. We're, we're the guys from Ohio. And we're just talking about favorite Steelers. Understand, we understand that this is the NFL Draft Week. We tape this on Wednesday. The show comes out over the weekend. We're not going to know. I mean, we're just guessing if we do our show on the draft. Next week, we'll come back with full NFL Draft analysis. But. Paul, and then I can say officially that Kenny Pickett's on my list of favorite Steelers ever. Yes, yes. Because well, he would have been a Steeler for yes. you know, all of four <laughs> days at that point. Yeah. Or if they draft him and trade him, you know, like they're like, oh, he was like favorite Steeler for like, a half hour. Yeah. Who knows? Who Paul's knows? still going to buy that jersey. Yeah. All right. Well, Paul, do you have a Steeler that may not be on the top 10 or 20 of all time? Um, he may not even be that good, but just someone that you just like for whatever reason. Um, I'll just mention two names. One. I think he gets a lot of talk, um, but Kevin Green, I loved Kevin Green. Um, okay. But I think he he was here so briefly that sometimes I think he gets left off those great lists. But I I also got to say, I mean, he had a very slim window of really good seasons, but when he was good, he was good, and that's Yancey Thinkpen. Oh, yeah. Mm. I, I love some Yancey. was very sad to see him go. 
Joe, any guys that maybe we don't normally think of that you're into? I don't know. There was such a parade of receivers for a period where it was, it just felt like a nonstop train of, you know, Antoine Randall L. You know, it, it was just those guys, there was this whole period and it, it, it lasted until they sort of hung on to uh, Antonio Brown for a while. And he really became that number one that stuck around for a while. But the years leading up to that, it felt like there was a new number one every year, a legitimate guy who was going to be your downfield guy. who was going to go up and get the ball. He's going to end up with the toe touch in the back of the end zone for a Super Bowl win. You know, it was just, there was just a lot of guys who would do that. And I, for those years, I just always was so impressed that our, our receiving options always seemed really, really strong. Like I, I loved that our receiving core was made out of guys who showed up and did the work and none of them for probably going to say the last couple of years of Heinz Ward's career when he wasn't really quite, you know, where he had been in previous years through until they really locked into and to AB being the number one. Uh, and you know, that includes a Super Bowl win, mind you. Uh, there was just solid receivers who made it work. And I, I loved that about the Pittsburgh Steelers, that it didn't it didn't have to be these outrageously amazing wide receiver guys who was like, oh, my gosh, they're just so amazing, as if nobody's throwing them the ball. <laughs> uh, and they would just go out and make it work. And I don't know, that, that felt unheralded to me, that there was such a steady stream of really quality receivers that came through and they would get signed away to other teams and somehow it just didn't work the same when they went to other places. Uh, and that's one of those things that I feel like the, the, not enough credit goes to Ben Roethlisberger for that, for that era of years where he found chemistry with a bunch of different guys and made it work until they finally locked into the killer bees era. Okay. Which now I have to look back on with contempt, even though I really <laughs> enjoyed those years. Cause those were all the big number years. But uh, yeah, I really liked the Steelers as a team that had people that made it happen. I also was always oddly, and I never really understood why now I cannot say why I like him more now, but I was always really a fan of Ryan Clark. I don't know why when he was a player, I just enjoyed watching him and there wasn't standout things. He got, he would get beat a lot. He wasn't the greatest corner, you know, but I just always really liked the guy. And I always felt really bad for him when he couldn't play when they went to Denver. And I've always been convinced that the reason that they lost to Tim Tebow was it was a pass that went to where Ryan Clark would have been. Yeah. Yeah. I believe that in my heart and soul. And now I absolutely love RC's contributions to uh to to ESPN and what he's doing as a as a sports commentator. Him and Orlovsky together, I think, is just a great tandem. <laughs> so I, I really I know that's why I appreciate him now, but I liked him when he was a player. That's an unheralded guy that I just like to follow. Okay. I'm going to go really out there with some of these picks. I always loved me some 
Eric Green. Uh, any of you guys yes. remember Eric Green? Mm-hmm. Loved him. Eric Green was a guy. It was funny because now a 6'3", 270 guy that's fast is a little bit more common. Back then it wasn't. And to be that size and he was a quick guy, it was amazing. Uh, unfortunate, Eric had some work ethic problems. Eric just uh, – Eric had some things going against him. And, you know, it is what it is. I mean, I wish Eric had a longer career and a happier career. But, you know, he left Pittsburgh and went to Miami. He had some trouble in Miami. And he's out football. And But there was a while where Eric Green was very, very good. Here's the other guy, too. And I'll be shocked if you guys remember him. One of my favorite wide receivers. The Steelers had so many weird, funny names. They had a Tooch. They had uh, Merrill Hodge. Um, I used to call him Merrill Hoagie. I got his name wrong. as a little <laughs> kid and everything. Um, Lewis Lips. It was funny. The, their best receiver was Lips. That was his last name. Um, Ouija Thompson. I don't know if you ever remember him. He was an unheralded Steeler that I really liked. 6'6", 215. Now, that may not have been the tallest receiver ever in the history of the NFL, but back then it was a tall receiver. Ouija wasn't that good. Ouija never really put up that good numbers. <laughs> it was a magical game, though, against the Packers, and this is before the Packers had, you know, Favre and Bales like that. They put up three touchdowns, and that was by far his best game. Uh, he was really good that game. Uh, I was just reading something about him as you guys were talking. The one year, I think it was 84, they were the only team to beat the 49ers. When the 49ers finished 15-1, they won the Super Bowl. The Steelers actually beat them in the regular season. Ronnie Lott was blocked by Ouija Thompson in that game. Ouija neutralized Ronnie Lott, and Lott after the game said he's one of the toughest guys ever played against. So, so now, Ouija, who would have thrown those touchdowns to Ouija? I think it was Mark Pallone, if I remember. There you right. go. Yeah. <laughs> what an awful time to be a Sewers fan when you know, Mark Pallone. Yeah. <laughs> Malone to Ouija. Oh, my gosh. I watched the other day. You talk about these rabbit holes that we get into sometimes on YouTube. It was the season opener. Uh, it was one of those years in the 80s. It was Mark Malone up in Seattle to play the Seahawks. And it was the Dave Craig years. Remember, Seattle had Dave Craig right. as their quarterback. Steve Largent was their best receiver. And the game was close. I didn't even check to see what the score was. And I'm looking at the final score. It was like 30 nothing Seattle. Malone just couldn't complete a pass. And, you know, I know it's going to be different without Big Ben this year for the Steelers. Whoever the quarterback may be, Trubisky, you know, Pickett, Malik Willis, you know, whoever. It'll be guy Trubisky. Might be. Brett Mason off the third. It's going to be a whole lot better than yeah, Mark Mullen ever was. So it was fantastic, but it was fun. I enjoyed those days. Um, the team wasn't that great, but some of those guys were fun to watch. A six-six tall receiver, and you got the great uh, Eric Green. Yeah, they probably weren't the most seller offense of all time, but you always think about what could have been. Yeah, Ouija wasn't bad. He just never really had a chance to do much other than that one glorious game being Screen Bay. So very good. Hey, this was good. Um, I, I feel like I'm talking from the other side because by the time people would listen to this, the draft will be over. Hopefully, we're all happy with the draft. We'll talk about it next week. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, you know what I mean. It feels weird because you know people are hearing this after the draft and they'll know, you know, who the Steelers picked up and if they made trades or not. So I don't know. It, it should be interesting. Any other thoughts before we go? 
Hope everyone got their Kenny Pickett jersey while they're in stock. All right. <laughs> I just didn't see the trade coming where Mahomes will now start for the Steelers. <laughs> yeah, that was a did not see that coming. Yeah. We we should have just went off and just made up some stuff. But no, oh yeah. We we respect you the fans a lot more than that. Um hey, before we take Would off, you? thanks. Okay. Okay. Oh, I do. I I'm a huge fan of our fans, so it's good. You're a um, fan of our fans? So, yeah. Aw. That's adorable. <laughs> They're four of the best people in the world. Yes. All four of them. <laughs> you take them all the coffee. Well, let's give a hat tip to people who have us on their, their air. Um, we owe them so much. <laughs> Why they ever have us, we never know. But uh, Behind the Silk Curtain, check out BehindTheSilkCurtain.com. Um, by this time, the draft will be over, so you'll be able to check out all the coverage. Believe me, I'm hearing about all the coverage you're playing. You'll know everything you need to know, not just about the number one draft pick, but every other draft pick the Sewers make. Also, I think you yes. really need to pay attention to the seventh round. That's where the real decisions get made. Right. Well, and what they have planned is they have an immediate uh, podcast after every pick. Uh, they're going to have uh, some of the main guys on to analyze each pick. And you might be like, well, the draft's over. I'm listening to this on Sunday. It's on podcast. So uh, let me give you a couple of good pieces of advice. Bookmark BehindTheSteelCurtain.com so you can check out all your Steelers news. Subscribe to Behind the Steel Curtain if you haven't already uh, for the best of podcasts. And like I said, during a promo, uh, Paul, Joe, and I have a goofy show called Eccentra where we kind of have fun and talk about the goofy news of the day. Subscribe to the Ohioan podcast uh, for everything you need to know about that. Well, for Joe and Paul, this is Chris. Have a great night, everybody.